Well, good morning, beloved. If you will, turn with me in your copy of Scripture, if you have one, to Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 16. Um, while you're going there, I, I've shared this before, but a pretty memorable trip in my life was when I took my wife to Ireland. Um, we, we were in Ireland, and so there's just beautiful things all around to see and stuff. Uh, but one of the things that was all over the place that I found beautiful were the stone walls, you know, those old stone walls where they're just stacked up rocks. And sometimes you'd see them where they're actually like crumbling and falling over. Somebody runs into it with a car or something or just something shifted and a a pile of them just falls over. And you realize like they really are just stacked rocks, Um, but they're beautiful. These rock walls just covering the countryside. And so I look at them and I think, wow, that is beautiful. Uh, But then somebody who lived there was talking to me and like, well, you know how they came to be there? Like, I don't. I mean, somebody put a lot of work into it. Um, But the thing is, the whole countryside is covered in rocks. So if you buy a plot of land and you want to farm that land, which is what they all needed to do for a very long time, then you had to get those rocks out of the soil so that you could till the soil, plant something, and grow and produce a harvest. And so that meant as they had their plot of land, they would walk through and find all these rocks. And what do you do with the rock? You don't want it in your land. So you take it to the edge of your land and you place it there. And slowly but surely, as you take all the rocks that are the bad things out of your land and put them on the edge of your property, you've built up a wall around your property. And it looks beautiful. You got all the bad stuff out and now you have this beautiful wall. I thought, that's pretty compelling. Because what a tragedy that this is sometimes how we live our lives, that we all know there's something broken in us. And so we're trying to take care of the bad stuff, get the bad stuff out. And so often what we're doing is we try to remove the bad things as we're just building up these walls that suddenly looks good in here, right? But I'm in isolation. Now there's a wall between me and you. And I can even make that wall look really pretty. But you see the tragedy in that. And so the, the beauty and the tension is that we must learn to actually address the bad stuff, but in such a way that it doesn't isolate us and just push everyone away, but instead says, no, we're here together in this mess. And Jesus is making it beautiful. And so would you turn with me again to Matthew chapter 16 to see this tension we all live in. How can we address the bad and the broken, but not create barriers and feel trapped in isolation? So Matthew chapter 16, we're gonna look at verse 13 through 18. This is in the midst of a gospel, so a retelling of the largely the three years of Jesus' public ministry on earth. Um, But in the midst of that, it says in verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? So now, Jesus, with his closest companions, he's been pouring into these guys. They've watched him do the miraculous. And now he gets them out here, and they're on, on the border of this region that is just known for being awful. Um, the, the, the god Pan was worshipped there. They had child sacrifices all the time. Um, Caesarea Philippi is Caesar and Philip. Um, these are two prominent pagan rulers. And so this is a region that is just notoriously not kosher. This is not good with the people of God. And here Jesus stands at this region where they would say like, we don't want anything to do with that. And Jesus now turns to his closest companions and he says, who do people say that I am? What's the crowd saying? What are the rumors? What are you hearing? They're seeing all the stuff they're hearing me teach. What do they say about who I am? Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Verse 14, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others, Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. 
Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. The most important question for anyone to ever answer, who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? And this is who we are, beloved. We are a people who, like Peter, would stand and say, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are our salvation. You are Lord. You are God. And we give you our lives. There is no one else that we could run to who could take care of the brokenness, the badness inside of us. But he does, and he does so in such a way that it doesn't drive us apart and create walls, but it actually draws us together. Like we're gonna go outside and have a ton of fun and I'm sure the kids will be playing with a parachute. You know the way that that works? They all grab one side of the parachute and they all start waving it and everything and you throw the ball on there and it flips it up and all that stuff. But they have to pull on that to create that tension. And it's like us as the church, all of us gathered around this. If Jesus is the parachute and as we all grab onto it and we all pull, it draws us in together. That Jesus is at the center of all of it. Our confession draws us together. That Jesus is Messiah he is salvation. He's the anointed one. He is the Christ. He is God come to save us. And he did that by living a sinless life. He had no brokenness in him. And then he died the death that you and I deserve because of our brokenness, because of our sin, our rebellion against God. He died on the cross. And in doing that, he exchanged places where he says he gave us his righteousness. And he took our sin on himself. And it was defeated. It was nailed to a cross. It was paid for in full. And so the beauty we now have is that we are fully forgiven by faith in the Son of God. He tells us to turn from our sin and turn to him for salvation. And as we follow him, he has given us life and he's leading us into that. And as we confess that, it pulls us together as this beautiful community that he has made. He said he is building his church. He is the one who says you belong. You are known and you are loved. He is building his church this ecclesia idea means chosen, called out ones or assembly or gathering of called out ones. That it has to happen together. That God did not save a person, but a people. He has saved us and made us this new community. And so today we want to offer you more and more opportunities to be together as the church, to see what God has done that you are missing so much if you think that church is just to come together in this corporate setting for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. It's more, it's life. And this is what Jesus is building and the invitation is for you to step into that. And so today, I want you to step more into it. And that does not mean that I want you to make your schedule more frantic. It does not mean that I want you to just sacrifice in some way that is gonna be offered, but I want you to see the beauty of what Jesus is offering in this invitation to know what it is to be part of his people. And so um, essential to this, essential to being the church is just being together, the beauty of the church. I want to share some written testimonies that some people in the church have shared with me over the last couple weeks. Um, And so uh, the first one, it says, I went into beloved kids thinking I was going to be teaching the children when in fact they have taught me so much. They blow me away each week by how much they are listening and understanding the biblical truths we are sharing with them. They love the Lord and his word with such sincerity and excitement. Another one said, having to be intentionally friendly and interested in others has helped me to realize the joy that can be ours when we genuinely show the welcoming love and kindness of God to others. 
Another said, working in the school system, I cannot share my faith openly unless I'm asked something specific about my faith, but working with beloved students allows me to share and discuss my faith. I love being able to listen to the students as they work through topics about God and their faith in him. We get to see growth. We get to challenge their faith and increase their knowledge about God. I feel blessed to be part of this faith journey with them. We get to plant seeds and pray they grow abundantly in their faith. As adults, we know how important it is to be rooted in the Lord at a young age. We have the privilege to help our beloved students do just that. Another person said, I've enjoyed being able to use the gifts God has given me to help our church with planning and managing the resources God has given us. I love seeing the Great Commission being followed so diligently with the church's finances. I love getting to be a part of helping the vision and heart of beloved become a reality. Another volunteer said, our beloved kids come every week eager to learn more about Christ. Their passion and desire to know him deeper has inspired and challenged me to understand God and his word deeper as I prepare to teach them on Sundays. Another, serving on the welcome team put me in a position to welcome and speak to others when it would have been easier to stay in my own bubble. It has opened up the opportunity to hear other stories and be a listening ear and allow me to serve and connect to others. On the production team, addressing challenges and seeing solutions that ultimately allow the church to focus on Christ and worship him is rewarding. God brought me real, genuine community through serving with beloved kids. We started going to beloved, but before we got involved in a home group, I was able to connect to so many ladies that I feel I wouldn't have normally connected with or got to know. It was because I was serving alongside them in kids' ministry. Getting to know them was so special. I needed this community and the friendships I have made. I still value it so much. And lastly, God is practically teaching me so much through serving with the welcome team. It is a place where he is helping me to be intentional about genuinely interacting and loving those who enter the doors of our church with the hope that each one of us will feel loved, known, and that they belong. And there are many more. But as I ask you to step into connecting further, that may mean looking like serving on a Sunday with a ministry team or serving on a Wednesday with beloved students, or serving in various capacities. It may mean jumping into a home group, which I really want every one of you to jump into a home group for at least the fall semester. Commit to the next couple months. Join a home group and be known in the intentional space where you can belong, be known, and be loved. It may look like just partnering with the church and coming to Gospel Partnership on October 2nd to say, you know what, I'm actually in. I want to know that this is my family and I want my family to know that I'm part of it. There's so many ways and I could share more and more, but I'm gonna stop talking and I'm gonna allow some of you to speak. So Jesse, would you come share with us a little bit about your story? Good morning, beloved. How are you guys doing? Um, so I'm Jesse. Most of you guys uh, know that a few months ago I was able to participate in um, the worship team, which is, uh, oh, it's been awesome, really. And so they've asked me to share uh, just some of the ways that it has blessed me uh, and some of my thoughts in, in the experience of, of being on the worship team. But I want to start with uh, reading, a couple of, uh, <coughs> reading a couple of psalms or just some verses from Psalm, Psalm 33. Verse 1 through 3. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous ones. Praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the lyre. Make music to him with a ten-stringed harp. Sing a new song to him. Play skillfully on the strings with a joyful shout. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is trustworthy. 
He loves righteousness and justice, and the earth is full of the Lord's unfailing love. And then Psalm 47, 5 through 8 says, God ascends among shouts of joy. The Lord, with the sounds of the ram's horn, sing praise to God, sing praise, sing praise to our king, sing praise, sing a song of wisdom, for God is king of the whole earth. So, you know, I, I love that because I love music, um, something I've loved since I was a little kid. I mean, I could literally put some headphones in and get lost in music, uh, you know, like it'll be 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, whoa, whoops, <laughs> that's a little late. But um, so being on a worship team for me uh, is, is, it felt, I guess, natural, but in so many ways I had a lot of reservations about jumping on. You know, the, uh, the sermon about prodigal son really, struck home with me because I felt maybe I needed to clean up before I would get up here and sing. Um, but really, it's, it's absolutely the opposite because uh, the way God has been able to work in my heart um, by being on the worship team, uh, the, the main way I see is, is, you know, you practice these songs and then all week long while you're uh, preparing, you're singing these songs, you're walking through your day, you're singing these songs, you, you, you know, play on Sunday, you're singing these songs, and then all the next week, these songs are in your head, and you're just doing every little thing, and then you're, you're singing these praises to God, and, um, and for me, it's just like a wellspring of, of praise that's always there, so that has been a huge blessing to my heart, um, and I like to, I like to uh, kind of, it's like a guitar, right? I don't know if anyone has played a guitar, but if you don't play the guitar for a while, it loses its tune. You know, you'll pick it up, you strum it, and you're like, ugh, wow, that's, you know, that's not great. But if you play it regularly, it, you know, you only have to tune it a little tiny bit, and then it's, you strum it, it's great, beautiful. So for me, um, singing his praises is kind of the same idea. When I do it, it keeps my heart in tune uh, with him and, and, and his, his goodness and his great love for me. So doing it regularly is extremely helpful for my heart and my soul uh, where, where I find uh, my joy in him throughout the day, the week, so on and so forth. Um, and part of, you know, being on the team is, is uh, it's really it's a family, you know, You're being called to be part of a family. And uh, you can say the church is the family, and then you can kind of break it down into, you know, little subgroups of family. And the band is kind of like its own family. We go, we go to war together almost, you know. Like, I don't know if you guys know, but this is a lot of work to uh, set all this stuff up, tear it all down. There are a lot of people involved to just play one song on a Sunday morning. You know, you got to be in it together. Uh, someone shows up with a, a not great attitude, and it's like, uh, it's going to detract. So, so really... No one ever does show up with a bad attitude, by the way. <laughs> so, but it's like a family. My family, you know, uh, it's, it's, it, it can be messy. It can be complicated. We mess up. We make mistakes. And, you know, when you're in the band, it's being known. Everybody knows when you're having a bad singing day or when you're having a bad, uh, you know, you keep missing the cues or messing up the guitar or whatever. The band knows. Maybe you guys don't recognize it, but you look over at Reggie and I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> missed that one bad, you know? So that's part of being known, and you have to be, like, understanding that that's, that's part of being that family, but it, but it creates these bonds, right, between us, just like a, a family shares uh, super deep bonds, um, whether we, uh, you know, love feeling them all the time or whatever, <laughs> you know, they're there. 
Um, so, so being part of that family has been, again, it's been a huge blessing because I get to belong somewhere. They know me. They encourage me. I encourage them. Um, and that's, that has been a huge blessing, uh, being on, the, on the, the worship team and being that part of that subgroup of the family of the church. Um, part of that means we're sharing the load and we're, we're working together, you know, and we're filling roles that, that God has called us to. So, uh, again, with the prodigal son thing, I had to step in. I felt like God was calling me into it. I had all my own reservations, but I had to, you know, if I wanted to get past that, I just needed to step into it in obedience. And um, I think, you know, part of, well, it, it's a big deal to be able to step past ourselves and into God's calling. And you have to do that before you can experience the blessing that he wants to bless you with. So the obedience to the call comes first and the blessing that he, that he wants to give you by being obedient. You know, it's like, again, like having a kid, being in a, a family, um, you want to bless your child, but you have to have them obey your, whatever your request is first, right? Hey, I will give you ice cream, you know, the good old, if you do your homework, <laughs> you know, but they have to obey first before they can get the blessing. And so, um, for me, I had to step into the serving, um, a part of the family before I was able to receive that blessing that I didn't even know I was going to get, you know, that, that being tuned into God's um, praising God all you know throughout the week, being part of the family, getting to know a bunch of new people, and uh, experiencing uh, just that community and that family unit that we've gotten to be part of. So, um, yeah, that's that's basically it. It's been a, it's been an awesome experience. And uh, if you're not on the worship team, I and, and you play an instrument and you, or you sing or whatever. I strongly suggest, you know, jumping in. It's a lot of fun. I mean, look at Reggie, guys. Come on. How much more fun can you have? Like, that's, that is it right there. So, um, that's it for me. Thank you <laughs> for the vertically challenged. Good morning. I'm Heather. Um, I was asked to come and share a little bit about um, our home group. And I know that home groups have just been um, not just, you know, a lifeline, but just vital um, to have a group of people to to share and go through life with, um, you know, weekly meet and share highs and lows and um, just grow in your faith with people. Um, but I also today was um, asked to share um, some words from someone who's in my home group, Kim. Um, she is newer to the group and it's been just such a blessing getting to know her recently and I feel very honored. Um, she unfortunately wasn't be able to wasn't able to be here this morning, um, but asked if I could share some of her words of testimony. So um, feel very honored to, to share with you words from Kim. Good morning. For those who don't know me, my name is Kim. I started coming to Beloved a little over a year ago. My teenagers were invited to youth, and Katie, my youngest, wanted to attend Beloved events. So in the sometimes unconventional way God works, I returned to church to get to know the people Kate would be spending time with. When I first came to service, I felt out of place. Although everyone was friendly and welcoming, I knew most of you were part of Beloved from the beginning, not just attending a church, but working. 
side by side every weekend setting up church walls, food tables, and children's classrooms. The kind of holy work that forges relationships. I kid you not, within weeks, I was invited to three different home groups. I was asked to come up here this morning and share what I received from home group, and several thoughts come to mind. One of the most obvious reasons to attend home group for me was to learn. Our home group just finished a study by Jen Wilkin. Honestly, Jen made us work hard. The study grew the way I read scripture, and especially the way I understand the Sermon on the Mount. I've been a believer in Christ for a long time, but there's a difference in being a believer and living out our faith. It's a narrow gate, and as it turns out, a constant learning process. For most of my adult life, until a few years ago, I had a cat named Lucy. She lived to be 20 years old. In Lucy's last years, when she wasn't feeling good, she would disappear. She would hide under the bed or behind furniture. That's the kind of season I'm in right now. Not the sit and rest in him kind of season, but the unknown, unpredictable, hide away from the world kind of season. And what I'm learning is courage grows best when we share our burdens and trust enough to let others draw us out of our hiding places. That's the second gift that home group has given me. Sometimes it's prayer, right? So powerful to have community gathered in his name sometimes. It's a text asking if you're really all right. No, really. And sometimes it's just reminding each other of the truths we're feeling, too lost to remember. Lastly, I benefit from what is commonly called doing life together. I didn't realize how much I needed to be reintroduced to the joy we have in Christ. The simpler ways, like laughter over a cup of coffee or game night, when we intentionally meet together to encourage each other, when we meet together and invite the Lord to the table, it reminds me of the hope and love I live for, of the God I live to serve. It's essential to walk to worship. It's essential to my walk to worship the Lord with a gratitude that comes from knowing that Christ's sacrificial love gives me blessings I don't deserve. That can be hard to remember alone. Hebrews 10, 24 through 28. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Thank you. Okay, Kevin said I had about 30 minutes or 40 minutes or probably three. Are you? I don't know. Um, whew, to be known. I'm going to share how important it is to be connected. I've been coming to Beloved for a little over two years now. And uh, when I first started coming, my wife was coming with me. And, uh, and now many of you probably don't even, you've never met her because uh, you've come since then. Um, but I grew up in the church. I had three kids. All three kids, we looked like the perfect family. We... Uh, we're connected with our church, and uh, my kids, each of them accepted the Lord, were baptized, and uh, from the outside, our marriage looked great, 
and it was in many ways through the years. And then we moved down to Florida. I don't know if that's a bad thing or not, but we moved to Florida. And one of the things we did not do, we, got, we started attending a church, but we really never connected like we did up in Pennsylvania. And, uh, and some of that, I think, affected our marriage. Some of that affected our kids. And really, if I wouldn't have got connected here, uh, I, don't know where, I don't know where I'd be. Because right now, my three kids are in their 20s, and each of them are not following, making good decisions and following the Lord like I would love them to. And it's been a year and three months that, uh, that my wife and I have been separated. But in that, I, I don't share all that to say, oh, poor Kent. I share that to say the reason I needed to be connected. Because we don't know if our life is always going to be perfect. And we don't know when we'll need family to get us through the rough time. So when I started coming here and I saw the need, I see Kevin in the morning running around and setting everything up. And I'm like, wow, I can be the hands and feet. I said, Kevin, let me do this. Let me do this. And uh, he would say, sure, go ahead. <laughs> do as much as you want. And, uh, but it's, it's more than that. I mean, when I come in on a Sunday morning, it's the things that I do, but it's more the people that I get to be with. And uh, I get to see Augie in the morning. I get to see Nora. They were my first two that just, uh, and Tanya. Don't forget Tanya, because she always gave me the hugs that I needed to get through a morning. And, uh, but I'm wearing Augie's birthday present to me his hat that he gave me, his shirt that he gave me. And uh, they're my family now in a lot of ways, in so many ways. Yes, I do the, I, I bring the wagons in, I do the different setup, but it's, like I said, it's more than that. If, if I would have just came Sunday mornings, sat there, and then walked out, that would have been me just putting my stones up like Kevin shared around my wall. Yeah, I would have been coming to church, but I would have just been going through the motions. And that wouldn't have helped me heal and also helped me to be strong through this time of waiting. My Kevin said, hey, you're married. Whether you're separated or not, you're married. Would have... Anybody in the world told me that? Or would my family tell me that? Something that I might not want to hear. Maybe I wanted to do my own thing then and just walk away from everything. But family tells you some things that you're not always want to hear, but you need to hear. And so my serving became more, more than the hands, like I said, the hands and feet of setting things up. It became more of what could I give? What could I give to the, to the people that I met? What could I give to those that were serving with me? And that's where we start being connected and getting known. Where I have the youth 
I have Kai and Jacob that helped me so much in setting up, and I get to know them. The little, the little kids that run around here in the morning, those that are on the worship team, bring their kids and stuff like that, I get to, I get to speak into their lives. I get to hear what they're going through. And so connecting, you know, connecting and serving isn't just about serving. It's about being in, you know, when, when you're raising your kids, you always want your kids to be part of the family. They need to do their part, right? And that's all we're doing is asking today is do, as you come and you say, hey, I'm, I want to be part of this fellowship. I want to be part of this family. What can you do to be part of the family? Again, it's not just the doing, but it's, it's, it's serving along with those people, rubbing shoulders with those people, whether it's out in the B team, whether it's, whether it's help setting up everything, whether it's worshiping, whether it's going to small group. Um, I don't think I would have got through this last year without my small group either. Sorry. The person that walks up to you and say, how are you doing? And not just expecting the word fine. Knowing that when they ask that, they truly are asking that. So one thing I see in each one of us serving, yes, it's what we can give, but man, I have received so much more. So much more from my time of serving. And I love doing it. And I love the people that I serve with. And I wouldn't have got to know so many people here without doing it. Like I said, you come in on a Sunday morning and you leave, you might meet one person. But do you really know them? The families here at Beloved, they know me. And I love that. And I know them. And I love that even more. I just want to thank each of the people, you know who you are, that have helped me and that continue to encourage me. And hopefully I can be an encouragement to each one of you also. Thanks.